Welcome back to the Project 24 YouTube podcast. Y'all ready for this? I'm ready for this. Okay, we're talking about YouTube music, YouTube creator music. Yes. So difference there. Uh YouTube music is sort of like Spotify or Apple music, how you listen to music, pay for that. Creator music is like licensing and things like that. Yes, and it's different. It's beta as we're discussing this right now. It's rolling out. They announced it a while back. Uh, Yeah, it'll be an interesting discussion. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about it. You have the option to start using it on channel makers. That's correct? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so I actually, as of recording this, I don't know how many channels, when you're listening to this, you can check on your own channel, see if it's an option for you. So YouTube has had an audio library for a while, uh, but this is a new initiative, just laying the groundwork in case you haven't heard about it. It's a new initiative they announced a few months back that is essentially the promise was taking mainstream music, not just designed for an audio library music, but mainstream known artist music and licensing it directly on the YouTube platform. So it was a huge deal. Uh, When I heard it initially, I thought, dang, this is going to be huge, especially for certain types of channels, because the ability to take a Beyonce song or, you know, some other popular song and not have to go through their intermediaries, but they already did the work. So YouTube already did the work of licensing and setting up the terms, et cetera. And so on the YouTube platform, you could just buy the license and then use it in your in your video and then um, be able to not have any copyright claims or any issues after that it was a huge deal to me. It, it seemed like a really good promise. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like in the past, in the past few years or maybe YouTube eternity, there's been a big problem with licensing songs. Sometimes people say that they have the rights to a song or they've bought the rights to a song, but YouTube still strikes them because their algorithm can't really tell if you've paid through somebody else before, right? Yeah, and it's, it, yeah, exactly that. And it's overall, aside from that, it's just a hassle to, uh, in many cases, right, to have to have the documentation for all of these, all this music. And I think the big promise for me was, sure, there are other services that I haven't personally used, but I had heard of other services that did license mainstream music and made it simpler for creators. Uh, but the the big promise here was the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. It's just, maybe I just pay a one-time upfront cost to license this song and voila, I can put it in my song. Uh, the reality we're seeing as it's currently rolling out is a bit different than that. And I know I've just did a, a YouTube video on channel makers about this because I felt like it was something big enough to discuss on channel makers. This is Consider this episode as kind of the behind the scenes and the broader picture, the bigger discussion that, I, that we can't have on YouTube. Right. And so the really exciting benefits of that, as you just mentioned, were mostly that it could be bigger songs from bigger artists mm-hmm. more convenience and less risk with copyright strikes. Is there anything else that there'd be some extra benefits to using the YouTube music versus Soundstripe or some other platform. Yeah, I, I think this kind of piggybacks on the more mainstream thing. The only other thing I'd say there is the perception of being current. Mm. Uh, there's just something about being able to use a hype song right now right. Uh, that, that works really well for TikTok and, and, and shorts and stuff. And that's that's a totally separate platform, by the way. Right. The way they're, they're using music on those is separate than what we're talking about right now. 
Um, this is only for long form videos. And I think you noted this down here. It's so it's not for oh. shorts and it's also not for live streams on YouTube. Yeah. Just quote unquote, normal long form YouTube videos is what this will be used for as of right now. Yeah. I did actually notice some article this week. They're talking about trying to get it for shorts really quickly. I think they even have a name oh. for it. I can't remember what it was. So by the time you listen to this, that could have changed. But yeah, as of now, that wow. is not rolled out. It probably won't be by the time you hear this anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because with those other platforms like TikTok, that does seem to be, I'm not on TikTok much, but it seems to be such a big thing, like these trending songs. Yes. Sometimes even really old songs that suddenly take off. So that'll be interesting to see. It seems like YouTube would have a lot of incentive to try to roll that out quickly with the shorts mm -hmm. because otherwise they're kind of missing that whole type of content. Yes, and I agree. And so to your earlier question, the perception of hype, et cetera, mm -hmm. I, I think in regular long form videos could be a huge, another huge benefit of doing this. Yeah. And another thing to mention really quick is that you cannot use, um, you know, if you get a license through YouTube, you can't repurpose that content and no. still have the license. So that's, <laughs> that's another thing to be aware of. <laughs> uh, which to that point, that means, so expanding on what I'm understanding here, correct me if I'm wrong here, because mm -hmm. we're both looking at this independently. Uh, that means I couldn't, right now, I couldn't license a song in a long-form video and then repurpose the section of that long-form mm -hmm. video into a YouTube short. Yeah. Uh, and, and count it under the same rules. I might be able to swap out the audio and have to re-add the audio through the YouTube short platform mm -hmm. um, or the, the the tool to create YouTube shorts. Uh, but, but again, yeah, you can't repurpose it on other social platforms. It's only... In that single. Yeah, audience. that's a great point, though, that in, that includes YouTube itself. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And there's yeah, there's single use. So even to long form videos, you don't just get to buy the license for a song and, you know, have that license for whatever video you want, which is another frustrating thing. I think mm -hmm. that's a pretty big deal. Um, but before we get into that, can you tell us what some of the differences are between YouTube's um, former audio? I think they called it just YouTube audio library. And now they're rolling out the creator music. What are the differences? Is it is that a big difference? Uh, based on my experience with it, uh, it, it's the biggest difference is mainstream music versus created purely for YouTube music. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know how YouTube sourced their previous audio library. I would guess they paid creators to say, hey, you, you create this song track or this sound effect or whatever it is. And we own it. Like, we just own all the rights, and then therefore, it's just part of the audio library. Mm. The, the premise here is outside artists that are not directly hired by YouTube. And, and again, like we were saying earlier, well-known artists can now have their music officially licensed through YouTube. Yeah, that is a big difference. So there are two pricing models. Two, I think, maybe more. Um, buying license and revenue share. Am I forgetting any? I'm not that I can think of off the top of my head. It's mm -hmm. still fairly new as a recording this. So there's a possibility we're missing a few details here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's talk about revenue share first because okay. this is an interesting one to me. Yeah. So the premise here is if I am YouTube partner program monetized uh, on my channel, I can go into their creator library of music and select a song and say, preemptively say, I will revenue share this song. Meaning well, that, that does a few things. That one, that means... I don't need to pay any money upfront for a license, mm -hmm. which can be appealing to a lot of people. But then secondary, that means that depending on how many songs I use within the final product, the final video, the revenue share is split accordingly. 
And so an example is if I use a single artist song, if I would normally be getting 55% of the YouTube Partner Program revenue, now I'm splitting it and each of us is getting 27.5% of the YouTube Partner Program revenue. So 50% of what you would be making. And in addition to that, there are additional fees. I don't remember the names for them, but it can be up to 5% additional revenue uh, mm. share fees for this revenue share option. Uh, so situations where I could see it being applicable is if a channel is smaller, they just don't want to pay the money and they just want to use a popular song. And great, I'm okay with revenue sharing. Maybe a channel is larger and it's just worth it depending on the cost of outright licensing it to just do the revenue share because they're just not counting on you to partner program revenue mm -hmm. at all. And they have outside ways of making money. Uh, but in most cases, I don't know. I keep, I keep coming back to this and I said this in the YouTube video. Uh, I just cannot think of many cases where I would want to go with this option. Mm -hmm. uh, why would I willingly use a s small segment of a song? It depends on the, on the terms, et cetera. But yeah. I use a segment of a song and all of a sudden I, I give them 50% of it. I, I don't know. Personally, maybe it's just a preference here. I, I just don't know yeah. <laughs> why I would do that. So one instance I can think of that would not apply to you, but as somebody's growing a very small channel and you might not have a lot of confidence that your current videos are going to do well. You might say like, well, why would you make them? But there is a practice element, you know, and if your last 10 videos haven't done well and you're still getting the hang of things and you're improving something with every video you might think, well, it might be worth it to do the revenue share. In that case, if it does do well, at least I get something. But you're avoiding that investment on something that's unlikely to give you a return. But the other thing to that is if it's, if it's not available to people that aren't the YouTube partner program yet anyways, they're likely making enough that I think you're right. It could be worth it. Um, and you, I know you looked at the prices a lot more than I did. Did you kind of work out any at least ballparks of how much you would have to make on a video before it was worth it. And I know it's hard because the range of prices varied so much with the different songs, right? Yeah. Uh, so right now, as of yesterday, before recording this podcast episode, the pricing for just buying a license for the song was anywhere from $5 to, well, $10,000. Mm -hmm. I'm still not sure if that is was a glitch or not. Uh, but the the average I saw was $25. And so, I don't know, I look at that and I think if it was, assume for a moment, we can get into more of the nitty gritty here in a moment. Assume mm -hmm. it's a lifetime license and I pay $25 to use this song in my video. The instant I make $50.01 $50 uh, from YouTube Partner Program revenue, I've made more than if I had revenue shared that. Interesting. From so, that one song, from yeah. that one video, I mean. Uh, and... And I get it for a lot of smaller channels. It's it, we don't make very much, and and I get that. But in most cases, I I that's why my point of like in most cases, at the, in the moment I make fifty dollars and one cent from my from my uh, video, mm -hmm. I would have made more by not revenue sharing. Right. So almost any size, especially if you're already in the YouTube Partner Program, you're probably going to make more. Yes. Through that makes and sense, it's, and it's interesting because. While you were talking, I, I don't want to come across as this is like, I think you're stupid if you did some revenue sharing. It's just, I'm really exploring this because I think there is a type of video that I haven't personally explored the behind the scenes very much. And it's a lot of what I would call the meme style of content, 
where you remix, you, there's a new Disney movie that came out and there's a song that just hit it and it's just huge. And so you do a parody or a remix of that. Or you cut it together funny, but you still use the original song mm-hmm. or most of the original song. I would guess in most cases, this has been done forever on YouTube, but I would guess in most cases, those videos are copyright claimed, but still you are making money from that. Uh, even though it's half of what it would have been, right? But in many cases, if, if that video, you not using that song would have gotten a thousand views and using that song got you a million views, like I guess that would be worth it mm-hmm. in that case. And I, I think what I'm saying here is in many cases, this is, it's not new, the ability to use mainstream music in YouTube videos. I mean, we could have done that forever. Yeah. It's just creator music is making it more through the YouTube platform and offering potentially more options for how to use it. Um, when I've searched, I searched a variety of music on the platform and some of them, I don't know how, I, I haven't personally dove as in depth as, to fully answer this question into what a copyright claim actually does for a channel and how much the revenue share is affected. Like, in, in some cases, are they able to claim 100% of the ad revenue because of it? Yeah. I, I haven't fully explored that. I don't know if you have any experience with that. But So it's been happening for a while. It's just, I guess the premise here is, if I could do it through YouTube, use a mainstream song, and get half of the ad revenue, hey, that could be worth it. Right. Uh, as opposed to not being able to license it at all. Because there's a strong possibility that many mainstream artists, when approached by YouTube, will say, no. I will not offer an upfront license cost. Yeah. I will only offer revenue sharing. And that's something you noticed, and it might just be too early on. They say they're reaching out to these artists, but you said you noticed that there was very little mainstream music on there right very now. Very little. I didn't reckon. I don't consider myself a full-on music connoisseur, but I'm exposed to a fair amount of music, and I didn't find any artists <laughs> that I recognized uh, that had some music on there yet. Right. And what, what are some of the ones that you searched? Uh, I searched Taylor Swift. Uh, let's see, uh, an upcoming, up and coming. There's Connor Price, uh, Beyonce. Oh man, I don't remember some of the other ones, but the big ones, big yeah. ones. I, I don't remember if it's like Drake, like just a variety of ones that I would think, yeah, most people are going to know about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> None of the ones I searched had any. Maybe if I kept going, I would have found something. I didn't find any. <laughs> yeah, which is interesting. If I don't know how much they reached out so far, this could change very rapidly, but. It'll be a pretty big wrench in their whole plan here if they're you know, rolling this out with the promise of now you can get mainstream music and then there's no mainstream music yes. to be had. That was the that was the impression I got when they were first talking about it, which is what kind of made me so excited about it. like, man, we can use like mainstream music, like mm-hmm. really well known, well known bands. And yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, that makes me wonder what kinds of things they might be including in that contract on the artist side that are making people hesitant maybe, or maybe no one wants to be the first who hasn't been tested. I don't know. I don't even know. I, it's, I don't know if it's a question of bandwidth right now. They just haven't had mm-hmm. the space. I don't know how big their team is that's working on this. I don't know any of the YouTube company behind the scenes, but I imagine based on what I'm seeing, it's a lot more complicated than you might think. Right. It's the licensing alone, and maybe this is a good point to talk about this, is, is not as straightforward as buy a $25 license and you can use this song in a video. It's not that because there's a whole bunch of additional terms to it. One such is they mentioned, I don't know yet because I've only tested this on channel makers, but they mentioned the potential of tiered pricing according to your audience size. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a channel with 
you know, 5,000 subscribers might pay $25, but one with 50,000 might pay $250. I don't know uh, yeah. what that will look like, but they have the option for artists to opt into that. As far as I understand, uh, the artists are able to set some of their own rules for it. They also have term limits or expiration for the license on that. And that gets complicated because if I use a song in a video, I buy the license, pay $25 for the license to use a song in a video, and my term is two years. If that video is still up after two years, then and I don't do anything, I don't renew the license, then all of a sudden it turns into a revenue share mm-hmm. or a, um, I don't know if it would be turned into a copyright claim at that point. I don't right. know. Uh, which neither of those options would be desirable. But what that would, would mean is if I license a bunch of music, then that means a year or two years down the road, I'm going to have to keep paying for that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, factor that into your budget and what your channel makes and uh-huh. everything. Yeah. And so I think that's a really interesting question for the audience listening because, you know, you have you have these options, but what it really comes down to is big name music. It's going to be more expensive whether you get it through YouTube itself or whether you get it off of YouTube, which has always been an option. And probably a lot of people listening have not ever used mainstream music in their YouTube videos, even though they could before. But figuring out, you know, is it worth it is kind of a hard question because yeah, you can do the math and figure out, well, if I get this many views or monetize this well for a video, you know, but how would you say you can identify if that mainstream artist is going to really make that difference in your video? Is it the type of niche you're in? Is it the kind of video? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a really good question. I uh, hadn't thought of it previously. I'll just say what comes to mind here. Yeah. While you're thinking about that, I'm going to add in a quick note so that these people don't stop listening to the podcast forever. Right now we are in the process of moving and everything is off of the walls. And I keep noticing this really bad echo every once in a while. I promise we'll get that fixed soon, but bear with us for now. It's true. I, I can hear it too. Yeah. I don't know if you listening to that, to this can hear that, but I can definitely hear it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not used to that. Okay. So to your question, how would we go about deciding that? Okay. If you came to me or someone came to me and said, okay, how, how do I decide if this is worth it to me? What's the ROI on this? So mm-hmm. I would be asking the bigger question, what's an ROA? What do you expect as an ROI from a video? And there's always the potential of a video going viral, but we don't necessarily want to bank on that when we're making our financial decisions here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, man, I mean, the clearest indicators are if your channel's already at the point where, they, where you're making, let's say, a consistent $100 in ad revenue mm-hmm. from a video, uh, and the license to use that song within a video costs you $25. Just pulling out some assumptions here for a moment. When I look at it, I would factor it into the overall price of producing a video versus the expected return. Mm. It's almost like a funnel at that point. I don't know if you listening to this are familiar with the concept of a funnel, but it's essentially, it, there, oftentimes there's there's a product at the end, and but going into it, there's some paid advertising, there's some resources, there's some marketing, there's whatever it is. And hopefully when you find people from all the way from the awareness stage, just gathering awareness into qualifying them as leads into purchasing, the idea with a funnel is if you put $1 into one side, how much do you make out the other side? Um, and if it's if you put a dollar in and you make $2 out, that was a good funnel. If you put a dollar in and you make 50 cents out, that wasn't a good funnel from a, a revenue standpoint. Sometimes you have additional goals that are just awareness or whatever. So in this case, I'd be looking at, potentially I'd be just 
breaking down my videos and saying, okay, well, how much does it cost to produce this video? You can factor in your time. Would adding music, the additional cost of that music, make it that much better of an experience for my audience? Mm-hmm. It might look like testing it yeah. for a few videos. Try it. Maybe buy the license for a few videos. Just see. How do people respond to me using this mainstream song in my in my video? Did they like it? Did it enhance it enough to make it worthwhile? Because the reality is, whatever you put in, and now we're including another factor, this music license cost, uh, whatever you put in, hopefully what you get out the other end is, is what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that a good way to test it, if you haven't done any music in your YouTube videos, maybe try it with cheaper, non-mainstream music, whether that's cheaper music on the YouTube creator music or Soundstripe or anything like that. Um, can you tell us a bit about how licensing works with Soundstripe? Yeah, so Soundstripe, if you're not familiar with it, so Soundstripe's a service that it's similar to Epidemic Sound or Artlist.io. There's there's these services that most of them are a subscription, meaning you pay monthly or yearly, and you have access to their audio library. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same thing as what's currently the YouTube music library except it's paid, right? Uh, And so the idea is you can use whatever sound effects or whatever they have on their platform within your videos. And some of them, like Soundstripe, uh, give you the option to just essentially plug in your channel to your Soundstripe account so that any audio you use from their platform is instantly green-lighted. It's instantly, it's good. Mm -hmm. There's not even going to be a question of, did they purchase that Mm -hmm. or or did they rip it off of somewhere? It's just... Okay, it's on this channel. Oh, they have this membership. Okay, we're fine. So the idea there is you can download music, sound effects, and use it as much as you want within your videos. As 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 far as I understand, on Soundstripe, for example, they have a lifetime license, meaning you can use as much of a song or a sound effect as you want within your video uh, and for as long as you want, even after canceling a Soundstripe membership. Uh, so that means that if I used a song last week, from Soundstripe in my video, and then I cancel Soundstripe this week, I'm, I'm just fine. Yeah, which and, is and a safe way to try this out. If you're looking yes. for your audience reaction to music in general, that's a pretty nice way to test it out because you don't have to pay a big upfront fee and you don't have to keep paying for it afterwards if your audience hates it. Yeah, which is why I'm, I'm the jury's still out on this YouTube creator music thing. And I mentioned this in the YouTube video, uh, but I'm, I am curious, as of recording this, a service like that offers a lifetime license like Soundstripe is I would recommend so far. Okay. Yeah. And uh, for YouTube creator music, you can't use it on live streams and you can't use it in shorts right now. Yes. Soundstripe doesn't have those problems that you're aware of. Uh, not that I'm aware of. I would have to dig in. Uh, don't, mm-hmm. don't quote me on this here. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing is with creator music, some artists are able to set rules with how much of a song you can use. Mm. Uh, so right now, I can't. Remember, I think it was on revenue shared ones uh, that you can only use thirty seconds of the song in a three minute or more video. Meaning, if your video is shorter than three minutes, you can't use that song in it. Uh, so they have rules like that that okay. services like Soundstripe don't. So what happens with YouTube Creator Music and the revenue share feature if you have like ten seconds of Justin Bieber and then three minutes of Beyonce? Do they get different amounts? As if those that's artists a, are on the platform now anyways, they aren't. question. I would assume it's just split evenly. If you okay. used, if you licensed that song within a video and you have, you know, even if they're different lengths, mm-hmm. um, I would, I would guess. Okay. Split evenly. Interesting. So that would be third Z's. Yeah. You would need to get a third of the revenue. 
All right. What other things should people consider? And, you know, let's even say cost aside completely. We're not talking about ROI anymore. We're just saying, is it better to have music? Because it's something we haven't talked about in a while, I don't think, no, on the podcast. No. Is it better to have music? Is it better to not have music? I, I liked your recommendation, actually. Test things out. Mm. I thought that was a really good question because the reality is, in most cases, and this comes from my experience with YouTube, in most cases, you don't have to have the most mainstream song, unless it's just like, you have to have that one. In many cases, if you're just trying to get a point across, you can use another song that sounds very similar to the mainstream one. Yeah. And it costs a lot less, has much better licensing, right? So that's an option. But also, my goodness, that echo. I you heard <laughs> that echo. That was crazy. Uh, so that's an option. But in addition, I would just try stuff. If you haven't used music a lot, man, just play around with feelings. And, and even uh, if you want to do this, this is your extra bonus here. In the channels you're drafting with your content, draft their music. Mm. Like go watch several of those videos and see how do they use music and the feeling of the music. So I'd be looking at where are they using music within, let's say it's a 10 minute video, about how much of that video is music and at where, what points are they using music? How are they using, what's the feeling of the music? Yeah. When are they stopping the music for silence? Uh, and how loud is the music? That would be a, a great approach to, to drafting if you're looking to just get ideas for how to use music. I like that you mentioned all those different factors of how to use music. It's not just yes or no. It's a lot of different factors, and that can add, I think, a lot of drama and a lot of suspense or humor or whatever emotion you want to put into the video. It's sort of like the cadence of your speech or something. You can you can really change it by having pauses and switches and things like that. Absolutely. I know another thing I think we've mentioned a lot, but it's been in Project 24, I'm sure, somewhere. But usually, not always, but usually, you want the music a little quieter than you think it should be, especially if you're talking over it. Yes. If it's like a B-roll montage or something, then that probably doesn't apply. But I think especially if you're like editing your own video that you made, you know what you said. And so it probably feels like the music can be a little louder. But other people that don't know what you said might not be able to understand you so well. So that can be. And I've noticed a lot of comments where people say, Turn down the music. I can't hear you. And you think, well, I think, I don't think it's that bad, but yeah, that's a good little rule of thumb. Yeah. And when you, it's because when you listen to it on different devices, mm. if, you, if you normally edit and you have it on your computer speakers, for example, maybe you have really nice speakers, but people are listening on a junky cell phone Yeah, or they have really bad headphones or maybe you, when you're editing, you have really nice headphones, but it sounds awful or imbalanced when just listen to it on a TV. Um, those are the kinds of considerations I'd be looking for. So yes, most of the time, it's better to have your music quieter than you think. Mm -hmm. uh, and if the question is about energy, I've made this mistake a few times where I would record and as I'm editing, I feel like, man, I'm just dragging. I need some music to up the energy. Mm. That alone is a red flag for me. If there's ever a feeling like, man, I should, I need to add music in order to make to up the energy here, that means... In most cases that I wasn't, I didn't have enough energy or I was taking too long to say something. Yeah, it's kind of a band-aid and you yes. should be able to solve that or hopefully could solve that problem without it. So either clip that pre-recorded, the thing you just recorded down quite a bit and mm -hmm. then maybe add some music, uh, but either clip that down a lot or just re-record it. Yeah. And if it, if it took you 10 minutes to say it, say it in five minutes. Like That's a good just point. experiment with that type of thing because 
Yeah, it's not a Band-Aid. Music isn't a Band-Aid. Right. That is a really good point. It's meant to enhance, Mm -hmm. not (laughs) Band-Aid. Yeah. Another thing I've noticed on, it was a video I made actually, and it was um, pretty educational in nature. And I'm really curious, Nate, what experiences you've had with comments. But um, I had one person comment and say, add music and it would be great. It was a good, good video. Add music and it would be great. Some random person. And then that one comment that they made got like five more comments of people saying, no, 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 don't add music, don't add music, don't add music. So don't necessarily make a big change, I'd say, from one comment because people are going to have different preferences, different opinions. What have been your experiences with people commenting? Do people usually comment when you add music? Do they like it? Do you adjust based on what they say or do you try to not pay attention too much? That's a a good question. Uh, So as a rule of thumb, I... Personally, I'm looking at it to enhance what's already there. We already kind of mentioned that. So I think if you're if you're on the fence here wondering if you should add music mm-hmm. to your content, I would answer this question, will it enhance the experience? Yeah. If the answer is yes, then yeah. Yeah, go for it. Uh, try it. But from my experience, uh, <laughs> so I've, I've tried a variety of different ways of doing music. Most recently, I, did, I used it for humor, partially to nail down a point and use it for humor. So I published a video recently as of recording this, uh, talking about my oddly effective way to to grow my audience. And in it, I had this moment where I invited people to subscribe. Uh, and it was like the first time I had done it in two years. And, <laughs> and so I instructed Andrea to, to add some epic music. Mm-hmm. And she did it. And right at the like this drop moment of the music, I said, subscribe. And it was just... It was, I thought that was well played. And in that case, people did comment on it because oh. it was humorous. Right. And so people commented like, man, the music when you're asking people to subscribe and then laughing emoji and stuff. So I think that comes from a bit more experience with it. And that's an example of enhancement with music. It can be used for humor. It can be used to emphasize a point. Like let's say there's music playing and you stop the music. Whatever you say next is enhanced um, because you have this sound, you have this baseline of, energy going on with your with your uh, mm-hmm. video and then when you stop the music abruptly it's it's spike it actually spikes the energy because it spikes the attention uh, for the audience so that i've used effectively if there's some music playing and then i stop it really quick and maybe the camera zooms in on my face and i say something that's uh, that's a pattern interrupt for the audience it in- increases the retention other examples if if you want a pop of energy at the beginning doing a musical montage right at the beginning with some interesting footage, I did that uh, further back where I was going to talk about uh, YouTube shorts and why I was excited about them. And so I did this montage with this just really rhythmic music. Mm-hmm. And it was me setting up my recording space like I was getting ready. The feeling was I'm getting ready to say something epic. And then the music stopped and I said, I am finally excited about YouTube shorts again. Yeah. And so that was the intro. And I don't believe I used music throughout the rest of that video, but it did set a tone for it. Right. Do you ever find that you have one idea for music and then you switch it to something vastly different? Like not necessarily, oh, let's find a different upbeat song or something, but you decide to change the music entirely? Yeah, actually, recently, uh, another video, I was, it was about a, uh, I can give Cody credit for this. He's uh, one of our editors here. Uh, it was, I was planning on doing an intro about being hit with a deluge of all these videos about a certain topic. Mm-hmm. And I had planned for it to be humorous, but he edited it and added some some kind of sound and, and music sounding stuff to make it serious. It totally changed <laughs> the feeling. 
And I always know when Cody says, so this might be different than what you mm-hmm. had in mind. <laughs> I'm in for something good. I know you're laughing because you know exactly what I I'm did. talking about here. Uh, because it'll have to, it'll happen. Cody will say, so, so how far can I push this? And I love it when he says that. Uh, but, but it was interesting because music sets a feeling. It does. Almost better than almost anything else. Yeah. Including if you intentionally use silence also sets a feeling. So in that case... I was expecting humorous. He changed it to something more intense and it worked. And in fact, I decided I actually like that better than the humorous approach I was going for. What do you think about using that as a technique to stand out in a crowded niche, maybe a competitive niche? For example, like let's say most, most videos in this niche are really calm and like have a relaxing vibe and then you're trying to do the opposite or maybe they're the opposite. Maybe most videos it's skateboarding or something and it's usually really gnarly and then you're doing a calm take on it something that feels pretty ironic do you think that's kind of just too dangerous you should do more drafting and stick with what's working or is that a potential way to stand out i would call that an artistic choice okay uh if you don't know what you're doing with music then draft first okay understand why other people are using it the way they are first and then just like they say with with a musician, you learn the rules, you learn the theory first, so then you can break them. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I would look into breaking stuff because if, for example, a, a skateboard video is usually using really gnarly music. I love that you use that word. <laughs> Shows how out of touch I am. <laughs> gnarly music. Uh, if, it, if normally it's this montage of gnarly music with, with epic stunts or something, yeah. what if at key moments during the video you cut the music entirely mm. and it was just the, the person breathing? Like, you know, and you, oh. hear the, and you hear the the skateboard flipping and that kind of stuff like that would be that would be an extra layer of intense. Uh, and it's used very intentionally in um, in media and stuff. Mm-hmm. I watched a, a breakdown once of a, the editing of a Yes Theory video and there was music and that kind of thing. But when and it was about him conquering his fear of jumping out of a plane. And when he jumps out of the plane, they cut the music. There was no music. Uh, and. It was just the sound of wind and like him breathing for a full like minute and a half. It was so intense. Wow. Uh, But it was very artistically used because it was meant to portray something. Yes. Uh, And so music, perhaps more than anything else in a video, gives a feeling. And so that's why I say it's an enhancement. It's something you can pre-decide what's the feeling I want. For this video, when you're outlining, when you're planning your video, what's the feeling I want for this section of the video? And then maybe jot down the music that you want. For yeah. The, the beats per minute, the the feeling, the vibe, whatever. Yeah. And I think being open to changing it or testing things in the editing process is an interesting one because sometimes you really just can't tell what difference music's going to make. It's almost like you can have a plan for how you want your furniture arranged but when you get it all in, it might just not work the way you expected and you have to change it all up to see what it looks like with this other vision. Yeah. And so you can, you know, test a little bit on yourself and it won't be quite as good as testing it on the audience, but um, at least you don't have to produce a whole video to figure that out. At yesterday, I had a funny experience and then we'll wrap it up, but I had some music, it was Disney piano wordless on and uh-huh. just in the background while I was working. And then I muted my computer at some point during the day And then I turned on a YouTube video later. It was about like production and camera angles and things like that. And so then I turned the volume back on after I had started playing that video. 
And I didn't realize that the Disney piano was still on in the background. And so I thought this piano was part of that video. (laughs) It took me about two minutes to realize, like recognize, wait, this is Disney. Wait, I put this on earlier. And so I turned it off and I realized the video felt so different. And I actually thought that music would have worked, I think. It felt more hipster kind of, but like it would have worked, even though I think that's the last genre you would have expected to Uh see in that. So... Anyways, that was an interesting example. Crazy. It can be surprising. Yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully this was helpful. Um, Some takeaways are, I think, just don't necessarily use YouTube creator music. At this point. Yeah. It's pretty rough at this point. Yeah. If you're willing to dive in, then go for it. Let us know in the Project 24 community how it goes. If you do have experience, um, I think everyone would would love to hear it. Um, And then just, yeah, be really aware of the different rules. We mentioned a lot of them here, but they could change. So, you know, check out the FAQ page of YouTube, stuff like that. All right. We'll see y'all later. Project 24 is a product of Income School LLC. Results mentioned are not typical. The trademark Project 24 refers to the goal of some people to create a successful business in 24 months, but is not a promise or guarantee of that success. Many online businesses fail because, like any business, it requires hard work, skill, and dedication. Before making business decisions, consult financial and legal professionals licensed in your jurisdiction. So in short, the only person who can make your business successful is you. We are simply here to provide information to help you along the way.